And would you bow your heads with me, please? It has been a good day in the house of the Lord. I'm glad to be here with the church family. And I'm really asking the Father, I'm going to ask publicly right now for the Holy Spirit to, to just speak to our hearts today. And again, this is a, a topic today that's very close to my heart, mainly because I deal with it in my life. And uh, I just want to pray that, that God will just speak to our hearts in a big way. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you, and we want to thank you for the series that we've had speaking about your amazing grace. And, Father, I want to ask now, Holy Spirit, um, I love that song that says, would you just take charge of the atmosphere and uh, just fill this place? We know you live within us, and, and we know you're everywhere, but we also are asking you, though, just to take charge of the atmosphere. And we want to pray that, one, you'll help me as I speak today. In fact, don't help me. Take control of me and use me today to share these truths. And then I want to pray, Father, um, for the folks, all of us. Um, Father, for someone here who's never experienced your amazing grace, that somehow, even though it's not the main topic, that you'll speak to their hearts today. But for the vast majority of us who know you and who sometimes wrestle with the issues we're going to talk about, then I pray, God, it will be a life-changing message for us. Um, thank you so much for the praise team. They did a great job leading us in worship today. Um, thank you for Nan and the State Missions Offering presentation, Father. It's so important. So this is now your time. We're asking you to speak to our hearts. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen. All right. Well, again, we're so glad that you're here today. Thank you for choosing to come to Dorsville. And by the way, you'll notice we have our table set up today. And at the end of the service, we're going to be observing the Lord's Supper. And so be thinking about that and be preparing your heart for that um, even as I speak. Well, as you know, for the last, I guess it's been five weeks. This is the last week. We've been talking about God's amazing grace. We talk a lot about God's amazing grace here. But we dedicate this, this whole series called The Grace Channel and when grace changed history. And can I bring that down to us personally? Because if you've ever experienced grace in your life, you're a child of God because of God's grace, you know for a fact that God has changed your history because of his amazing grace. And better than that, he's changed your future because of his amazing grace. And we've talked about throughout the five weeks how that two words are kind of married together when you talk about that, and that is grace and faith. And we often use Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, today, as we literally... I told, leaned over and told Judy, I said, I'm not sure we're going to make this. I I'm, I'm, I'm told David I'm really prepared to go ahead and put the message in half today because I don't want to rush any part of it. So uh, we put Shepherd Boy back in this week because we're going to talk about David and we're also talking about Samuel. Those are the two main characters in the story. And both of them, the things they dealt with are things that we want to talk about today. So if we don't make David, we'll try to get that on Wednesday night. That'll be fine. And who knows, I may talk fast and get all of it in this morning. But it's such an important topic because it's made to help us. So please, please give me your attention um, today. Now... The story is, the ba again, understanding that we've got more time because I'm probably going to cut this in half, I really want to lay the groundwork for you. Now, you know, probably, if you're a little bit of a Bible scholar, you know that, that Israel had never had a king. They, all the other nations had kings, and they didn't. And finally, they went to Samuel, the prophet, and said, 
we want to have a king like the other nations do. And, and God was supposed to be their king. And, and anyway, long story short, they ended up with a king. And it was called the people's king because it was the people's choice more than God's. And his name was Saul. And he was tall and he was handsome. He was everything you would really physically that you would want in a leader. Well, it wasn't long before the problem with the people's king is that he wasn't God's king. In other words, he chose to follow the people and their power more than God's power. And it wasn't long before he did something stupid and he offered a incense. Now, that's not like a big deal to us, but he offered incense in the, in the, um, for the sacrifice. And that's a priest's job. It's not the king's job. And it really, really made God mad if you will. And so God said, you know, this is not good. You know, you're going to lose the, your throne. And then later on, God gave him a specific job. He's supposed to go and attack the Amalekite people and destroy them. And that's another story for another time. And Saul was not faithful. He saved the king alive. He was supposed to destroy all the, all the, all the booty, all the plunder. And he didn't do that either. And so God said, I'm done. I'm finished. You're done. And so the task became then for God to find another king, another king. And so we have Samuel now, and when this happened, when this happened, when this final failure happened, Samuel totally broke fellowship with Saul the king. In fact, the Bible says that after this, after that final confrontation, Samuel never saw Saul, King Saul, again today. Say that three times fast. Samuel never saw King Saul again they were totally at odds. They were totally separated one from another. And so that's kind of where we pick up the story today. Now, again, just like there were two good words, faith and grace, the three words today I want you to remember are failure, disappointment, and rejection. Now, if you've been around a while, if you've been live a while, somewhere in your life you have dealt with these, and some more than others. Now, to help you remember those, if you will, okay, if you remember back, well, if you studied in the Great Depression, America was in deep weeds, and we had a president, and his name was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, or FDR. So kind of burn those initials in your mind because those are the topics we want to talk about today. Failure, disappointment, and rejection. Now, to, again, to give you some insight and some background, our friend Samuel, who was just an awesome godly man, he was an awesome prophet. He was, he was of course, a father. He had sons. He was the spiritual leader of the country. Saul was kind of like the political leader with some God supposed to be wrapped in it, but he was the, he was the political leader, but, but Samuel was the, was the spiritual leader, and then he was supposed to be the mentor for the king. Well, after Saul's final failure, uh, it kind of put, put old Samuel in a tailspin because here was the deal. His sons, his sons were not worthy to be priests and prophets. They took bribes from the people. They were dishonest with the Lord's money. And certainly Samuel felt like a failure as a father. And then, of course, there was the disappointment. You know, as, as, a, as a mentor to Saul. 
He was supposed to guide Saul and help Saul. And Saul made such terrible choices. And right or wrong, Saul simply took responsibility for those. He internalized those. Have you all figured out yet that I'm the kind of person that if you don't come to church, it must be my fault? If attendance is down 21 weeks, it must have been the sermon was too long. If the offerings aren't right, then perhaps someone's upset the way the church is going. I mean, I internalize things like this all the time. Well, Samuel did too. He was the mentor, and the one he was mentoring did not follow his leadership. And he was very disappointed. And then rejection. The truth is, Israel totally rejected Samuel as leader. They, instead of following him and following God, they chose to do their own thing. So Samuel is wrestling with FDR, just like a lot of us wrestle with FDR. And so the time comes for this new king to be appointed, and our scripture is 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And here's how it starts out. And again, this is so applicable to our lives. The Bible says... The Lord said to Samuel, and by the way, the Lord is saying this to you today. How long are you going to mourn for Saul? Now, again, in the biblical case, God directly addresses the, the, the failure, the rejection that Samuel was dealing with. He was so disappointed The fact that Saul did not follow his leadership. And so God says, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? Because, he says, since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Samuel, this door is closed. Saul has failed, and that door is closed. He's not going to be reinstated as king. How long are you going to mourn? And it's interesting because the word that God uses there is the word for death, like we mourn for death. And again, isn't that true? When our dreams don't come true, when the things we hope, when when the things we plan don't come true, it's like something dies. It's like something dies. The question I have for you today is, what is it in your life that you are clinging to that you need to let go of? What is it That's something that didn't meet your expectations. Your dream didn't come true, but you keep holding on to it. And God would say to you, how long are you going to hold on to that dream? How long are you going to hold on to that thing that simply isn't going to happen? I kind of made a list of things, you know, so I hope you don't mind if I refer to my notes so I can get half of them right. You know, I I thought about when you would find that, that prince... You, know, you you fall in love, and he's everything you hoped he would be, and that prince becomes a toad. And you're so disappointed. You may be in a relationship you don't want to be in, or marriage you don't want to be in. And you're so disappointed, and it controls your life, controls who you are, and controls your future. And God would say, how long are you going to mourn the fact that you married a toad? Or maybe that toad found another toad. Maybe you're here today and, and you're single today because your toad found another toad. And you're broken because you, you imagine being married forever. And all of a sudden, that's not the case. How long are you going to mourn for that? I wrote this down. Your dream has become a nightmare. 
You had this dream of how it was supposed to be. Instead of that dream being, you're living a nightmare. And it might be, by the way, you got the dream that you wanted and you realize your dream was a nightmare. How long are you going to mourn for that dream that never came or the one that came and turned out to be a nightmare? Um, The ending is not the ending you expected. Too often now as I get older, we hear people dying and they're 68, 69, 67 and they, they worked all their life for retirement, and they were excited about retiring, and they retire, and two, three, five, seven years later, they die. It's just not the way. Jesus said all the time, it's just not the way they expected it to be. Perhaps in your mind, you envision growing old with the one you loved. Your last years were going to be the best years. And guess what? It didn't happen. God, in his sovereignty, chose to call that person into eternity. And you're now living lonely. Lonely. How long are you going to mourn for that which is not going to be? Or maybe perhaps the career never happened. From the time you were seven years old, you want to be this or you want to be that. And this or that never happened for various reasons. It may have been something physical. It may have been a change of circumstance. It may have been a change in school. But, but that career just never happened. Or, or perhaps the baby never came. All your life you dreamed of being a mom. All your life. And for whatever reason, God has chosen not to honor that request. How long... Will you mourn for that? And then my last one, and it's not original with me. You climbed the ladder to only realize it was leaning against the wrong wall. Anybody done that before? You spent your life climbing the ladder and you get to the top and realize you're leaning against the wrong wall. All those are things, and you've got your own thing, but all those are things that can cause Failure and disappointment and rejection to just overwhelm us. And certainly it did with Samuel. And certainly it probably is with someone in this room today. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Well, you know, there are just several scriptures in my, in my life that are just perennial favorites. And one that I share, every time I talk about the past, I share this verse because it's from the Apostle Paul, and it's Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 13. And the Apostle Paul, now you must understand, the Apostle Paul was a, was a rock star in the Jewish religion. He was, he was a strict zealot for God, you know, the law, the Pharisees, all of that. He was just immersed in that culture. And then in that culture, he murdered people. He had people put in prison. And then he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus radically changes his life. But unfortunately, he's got all that baggage from the past. I mean, you know, you sometimes say, if the church, if I go to church, the building would fall in. How would you like to go to a church and there's the widow of a guy that you had killed? A very real possibility in the life of Paul. What is it in your past that you're holding on to, that you're dreading, you know? What do you do with that? Well, here's what Paul said. Paul said, brothers, 
and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. In other words, he's saying, now listen, when I teach this, I haven't totally arrived. I haven't totally got it nailed down. But he goes, this, this is how I deal with my failures, my disappointment, and my rejection. This is how I deal with my past. Here's what he said. I, um, I, this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. I love this. Forgetting what lies behind. Now, so you'll get it, okay? He is not saying, I have just willed my mind to forget the disappointment. I just willed my mind to forget the rejection. I just willed my mind to forget the disappointments. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, by God's grace and by his power, because with God all things are possible, he also wrote that, by God's grace, I am refusing to allow that to control who I am today. I am refusing to let the fact that I had people killed, and he did. Um, that's not exaggeration. He did. I refuse to let the fact that I had people killed keep me from being the man that God wants me to be today. And that is such a powerful answer to where you are today, where I am today. Because all of us have a checkered past of failures. Some huge things, medium things, small, but we are just checkered. Our past is checkered with failure. And Paul says, I'm just refusing to allow that to dictate who I am today. Now, now, if you're an animal lover, I'm going to go ahead and apologize to you. Okay? The power of a rattlesnake is in the bite. The power of the rattlesnake is in the bite. So, if there's a rattlesnake close to you, and you either have a 38 or a long shovel with a long handle on it, and that snake is there, let me tell you some good advice. Kill it. Don't say, well, all of God's creatures, shoot that thing, literally. Shoot that thing. Get your 30 out and blow off his head because the power of a snake is in its bite. After you cut the head off, after you blow the head off, the snake may writhe around on the ground, but the power is removed from the snake. And when we choose, by God's grace, to not to allow the past to control who we are today, we sever the power of the memory. We sever the power of the scar. We sever the power of its ability to impact our lives. So we've got to help, by God's grace, God help us to not allow that control. Whether it's the broken dream, whether it's the toad, and the toad has another toad, whether it's, whether it's the career that didn't happen, or the ending is not what you thought. I just simply refuse. I'm going to trust God and simply refuse to allow that control who I am today. Now, now whenever, whenever you have a, a counter like that, then there's a negative, there's also a positive. And here it is. Here it is. This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining and striving forward to what lies ahead. Now, I believe personally in the sovereignty of God. 
I believe our Father is in control over all things. And I believe the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and He delights in our path. I believe that if we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding, in all our ways, he, and we acknowledge Him, He will direct our paths. So while you may not like where you are, you can trust God and strive for what lies ahead. Even though you may not like what God has done and what God allowed in your life, you can strive for what lies ahead. And I'm telling you, there is freeing power in that. We all have FDRs. We all have FDRs. But we can choose by God's grace and by His power not to allow that to control who we are today. I hope you'll, I hope you'll grasp that. Because believe me, after 17 years of knowing us together, doing life together, I know some of the hurts. I know some of the pains. And by God's grace, they do not have to control us. When you got regrets, I sure do. I sure do. But I'm learning. I'm like Paul. I haven't arrived, but I'm learning to let that go and press forward for the new dreams and new visions that God has for us. Well, so back in 1 Samuel now, in verse number 16, this, uh, chapter 16, the second part of verse 1, you might have to go back and read the first part too so it all tie together. The Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn like death for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected a king from his sons. I'm going to read that again. Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected a king from his sons. Now, let me just say one more thing that's really important. There's a good possibility that, again, if you're here today and you dealt with FDR, you've dealt with the failures and, and disappointment and rejection, all right, there's a really good possibility that you feel like you're not worthy. Anybody? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Don't you love the fact that even... I'm certain when, when Samuel said, boy, I am a failure. As a father, my, my sons are taking bribes. As a mentor, the guy I mentored turned out to be totally spiritually inept. All right? And the people I was supposed to be leading spiritually have totally disregarded my leadership. He goes, I am a total failure. And listen to this. Regardless of what Samuel thought about himself... God thought differently. Amen. Regardless of what Samuel thought about himself, God thought differently. How do you know that, Dwayne? Because God gave Samuel a job. Just like he's been doing. He, he, didn't, he didn't say, okay, you failed as a prophet, go try collecting garbage for a while. You, you, failed, as, you failed as a prophet, so, so go do something else. Perhaps Walmart's looking for a greeter. Hello, thank you for shopping Walmart. No. He sent Samuel right back into the field. You know why? Because God believed in Samuel. And I want to look you dead in the eye. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't care what your past looks like. God believes in you. God has a purpose and a mission for you as his child. So please, 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 don't let Satan convince you that you're done. Stick a fork in you. You're not done. Because God believes in you. 
And again, what does God do? God says, well, okay, I want you to go. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I've selected a king from his sons. Now, here's the amazing part. Of all the things that Samuel has... Now, watch. Don't list this. Of all the things that Samuel had done, this was the most important. After his failure as a dad, after his failure as a mentor, after his failure as a spiritual leader, God gives him the most important decision ever. He is going to Jesse of Bethlehem. Does Bethlehem ring a bell? He's going to Jesse of Bethlehem and choose a new king, which we ultimately know will be from the lineage of David. And who comes from the lineage of David? The Messiah, Jesus Christ. God, God has entrusted to this failure in his eyes, this failure, the important mission of continuing the lineage and the, and the throneship of the house of David from which the eternal king, the Lord Jesus Christ, would come. May I say this? Just perhaps, just perhaps, your best days are not behind you. Your best days are before you. Just behalf, you've lost your loved one. There's, there's a broken marriage. You know, just perhaps your greatest assignments are not behind you. They're before you. Believe that. Failed as a parent, perhaps your greatest parenting responsibilities and assignments and successes are before you. Don't quit too soon. Don't quit too soon. Well, so in 1 Samuel 16, 2 now, Samuel, now this is really an important question. Samuel asked, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. (laughs) How can I do this? But Saul was like incredibly paranoid. He was so afraid of losing the kingship. And remember, Samuel and Saul are, are, are part. Are part. How can I do And you know what's really funny? This is interesting. Where, where, where Samuel lives and where Bethlehem is, the only way he could go is right by Saul's encampment. Now, when you've got a paranoid person, you know, and you see the prophet who will not, not spoke to you, will not speak to you, you see the prophet going by, bypasses your encampment and keeps going by, don't you think this paranoid person would go, wonder where he's going, wonder what he's up to. And you know what? Saul, given the chance, would kill Samuel. So what am I supposed to do, Samuel says. And I really think this is part of the mourning process. Is there anybody in this room besides me who is a conflict avoidance person, avoids conflict? Is anybody here when there's a fight with your husband or wife, you kind of just either cave or get quiet? Anybody here like that? Well, I think part of Samuel's mourning was this fear was his fear. He knew if he is called upon by God to take action, okay, it might be just better to leave Saul on the throne. He's inept spiritually. I'm, I'm at odds with him, but maybe it's just best to leave him alone. You know, it's because of this. You know, sometimes we hang with the past because we fear the future. We hang with the past because a fractured past, we feel, might be better than a hard future. 
I think that's going on in Samuel's brain. Going on in your brain maybe today? Are you saying, I'm, I'm not really where I want to be, not where I hoped I would be, and I know God's calling me somewhere different, but I'm afraid to move because I'm afraid to move because I'm afraid of the future? I think that was part of Samuel's deal. He goes, so, so how can I go then? Because as soon as Saul hears about this, he's going to try and kill me. Well, God, in another scripture, has an answer for us today, and it would have been for Samuel too. This is the Psalm 46, verse 10, but it's, but it's the NASB version, which is the New American Standard Bible. I, I don't use it very often, but it's a really good translation. It's a solid translation. And look how it words this verse. Cease striving and know that I am God. God would say, now listen, listen, listen. God would say to Samuel that day, stop, Samuel, stop striving and know that I am God. Now, if you're here today and your prince became a toad or found another toad, God would say to you, trust me, stop striving. Stop striving. If, if your dream became a nightmare, God's bigger than your nightmare, and he would say, stop striving. If the end is not the end you were expecting, he would say, stop striving. If, if, if your, the career never happened, stop striving. If you climb the ladder and you realize it's on the wrong wall, stop striving. And know what? And know what? Know that I am God. God is with you. Know that I am God. People, listen. Folks, listen. We need to start living that, like we believe that God is God. God is God. You can stomp your foot all you want to. God, I wanted this. This is how I want my life to end. I want to be married this long. I want this. I want that. You can stomp your feet, but what you're going to get is our tired feet. Or we can believe, stop striving, and believe that he is God. Now watch this. I will be, God speaking, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be made big. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Again, I, I hear people pray sometimes, and, and they pray for his glory and our good. His glory and our good. That is so appropriate for this scripture. Stop striving. Know that I am God. I will be exalted among nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I, God would say, I know you don't understand. I know why your dream became a, you don't understand why your dream became a nightmare. You don't understand why, why your, toad became, your prince became a toad. You don't understand why the career didn't happen like you. I know you don't understand. Life didn't turn out like you wanted it to. But I want you to know something. You're my child. And I'm going to bring glory to my name. And I'm working for your good. What scripture comes to your mind? All things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Christ followers, disciples, believers in Jesus, Christians, God is calling us to trust him even when the end is not the end we were expecting. When the career is not the career we are expecting. You thought by age 40 you would have this financial base and you don't. Even when that happens, trust the Lord. Well, moving on. In 1 Samuel 16, 2, the second part, 
Well, the Lord has an answer also to Samuel directly. The Lord answered, take a young cow with you. And when you get there, say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. So this is how, remember the question was, how can I do this? King Saul's going to kill me. Well, God had a plan. What I want you to do, and it's not deceptive, he's going to make a sacrifice. He's going to do that. Go ahead and mix sacrifice with this king business, all right? So I want you to take a young cow with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. When you get to Bethlehem, say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice. So this will be a select audience. You're going to see, if we get that far, you're going to get to see. No, you won't get that far. We're going to see the, the elders of the town are going to show up. And Samuel's going to say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. And by the way, let's invite Jesse and his sons. That's what God's answer was. Invite, invite Jesse to come and watch, 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 watch. Verse 3 is so cool. It's buried in there. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice. Are you ready? Are you waiting with bated breath? I will let you know what you are to do. Now, that is probably the most profound thing you're going to hear today. Where do we get off thinking that God does not, is not going to tell us what to do? We get so busy, though. I'm sorry. We get so much in a stinking hurry that we don't wait on God. That might be how you end up with a toad in the first place. It may be how you ended up with the wrong career. It may be how you ended up with your ladder against the wrong wall. Because, this sounds familiar, if I don't, it won't. Remember that from a couple weeks ago? If I don't, it won't. So, so the, the scripture is, you know, I will let you know what to do. God will let you know what to do. If the ending is different, listen, if the ending is different than what you thought, you've got to trust God that he will write you a new ending. If the career is not what you thought, you've got to trust God that his career will be better. Come on now. Come on. Why, Dwayne? Because we're a people of faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We trust God. We trust God. He's not a fat statue sitting cross-legged somewhere in a temple. He is the living creator, Jehovah God. And our Lord Jesus Christ lives today. Live like we believe he lives. Let me say it again. Live like we believe he lives because he does. I will tell you what you are to do. And watch, 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 watch. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate to you. You are to anoint for me the one I show you. That's huge. See, it was God's business. It wasn't Samuel's. It wasn't Samuel's business. It was God's business. I'm going to show you what to do, and you are acting on my behalf. When you anoint the one I choose, you're acting on my behalf. Wow. Now, let's close with this. In Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2, these are great scriptures. These are great scriptures. It will help us. Believe this. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Let me read it again. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High 
will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Wow. Samuel, you can go to Bethlehem. And you can go and offer a sacrifice. You can invite David. And in spite of what King Saul and all his huffing and puffing and threats, you can go and do this because you live in the shelter of the Most High and you will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Folks, listen. Listen to me. As a child of God, we can face new endings. We can face different careers. We can face ladders against the wrong wall. We can face these things if we live in the shelter of the Most High and can find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. What is chaos becomes calm in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, that's a good place for an amen. What is chaos becomes calm in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord, the psalmist says, still in Psalm 91. This I declare about the Lord. He alone, someone say alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God. And I trust him. He is my God. And I trust him. Now. Take these wonderful truths. And apply it. To whatever it is. What failure. What disappointment. What rejection. You're experiencing in your life. Factor in the lens. Factor in the lens. Of, of God's amazing grace and our faith in Him. Factor in His sovereignty. Factor in that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and He delights in your path. You know, every once in a while I do something good for Judy. It's, it's, it's not very often. I, I, I need to rekindle my romantic genes. But every once in a while I do something right. And, 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 and it's, it's obvious I planned it. And she goes, did you plan this? And I can say, yes, I did. God has been planning you before the creation of the world. That, that path, I, I said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in your path. Since before the foundation of the earth, God's been planning your path. Trust him. Even when it turns out crazy. Even when it's not the end, even when it seems the ladder's against the wrong wall, even when the career's not right, the financial situation's not right, even when life seems it's not right, trust God to be the God of redemption and rescue that He is. Amen? So if there are Samuels here today and you see yourself, I failed, I'm disappointed, and me mostly. And I feel such rejection. Just remember this. I think I can say this as a child of God. Now, if you're not a child of God, well, I can't say this. But for you, I'll say this who are children of God. God's your biggest fan. When your husband doesn't believe in you and your husband doesn't believe in you, I'm sorry, your wife doesn't believe in you, your and students, your parents don't believe in you, when your friends don't believe in you, God does. 
God does. You are his masterpiece. Did we talk about that last week? Yes, we did. You are his masterpiece, created for good works, which he ordained before the foundation of the world for you to do. So don't throw in the towel. Don't quit too soon. I don't know if this is appropriate or not. I never can tell. I need to tell you something, though. Y'all know that I went on this crazy diet. And I lost 55 pounds. And what I'm about to tell you is true. I get out of the shower every day. And I look in that mirror. And I say, you're fat. 55 pounds. You're fat. You think God's saying that to me? You think the Holy Spirit's saying that to me? You think Jesus is saying that to me? No. I'm saying that to me. And the enemy is saying that to me. Because he knows if I don't believe in myself, that I don't believe that God is for me, who can be against me, then he has the victory. That's why I said this, is per- this stuff is personal to me today. Because I live it. I know. But I'm learning. God's my favorite fan. He looks at me and he doesn't look at me and say, Oh, what a failure. He says, What a masterpiece. And he says the same thing about you. Same thing about you. So relish that today. Relish that. Believe that today. And, and if you're not, if you're here today, and we, I, we just can't close without the gospel. If you're here today, and, and you, you know, you know, I don't have a relationship with God. I don't, I don't know much about me and God, but I know we're kind of like Saul and Samuel. We're like apart. All oh, the good news is, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a Roman cross like this. So you could come in a relationship with him and call him father. And he would call you child. He wants so much for you to be in the family. And in just a few moments, Brother Brent's going to be standing down front. And, and one of the things we want to tell you is, if you want to know how you can call God Father, you can, you can have God as your biggest fan. You can have God believe, you know, His believing in you and creating you as a masterpiece of His for the good works that He wants you to do. Come down and say, Brent, I want to know about that. My life is a mess. It's crazy. I want to know this God who loves me that much. And we have some folks who'd love to answer questions for you about that. And if you're here today and you wrestle with FDR, FDR, failures and disappointment and rejection, believe God. Believe God. Would you bow your heads, please? Well, Father, it certainly was a privilege to share these truths today. And I believe them with all my heart. I do. I thank you that you are our biggest fan. I know that because you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for us. We must be of immense value that you allowed your son to die on a Roman cross for us. How amazing is that? So help us to live believing that you are God and you're sovereign. And when we're disappointed and when we fail and when we suffer rejection, when those things come and are part of our lives, help us to trust and believe you. Not the negative voice we hear. Not the worst critics in our life sometimes. Help us to believe and trust you. And for someone here today who's never experienced this amazing grace. Oh, may today be the day. Holy Spirit, it's not preachers who draw, draw folks to Christ. It's you 
So Holy Spirit, draw folks to Jesus. I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters as we do this thing called life. And that when these things come into our lives, that we will choose, we will choose to believe. And we ask this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen.